Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. and welcome back to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. I'm excited that you're here with us today. Our guest is Tim Malazzo. Tim is the co-founder and CEO of StackSource, which is a tech-enabled commercial real estate financing platform. As real estate investors, one of the most important things we can do is understand debt and financing. And today's guest is an expert in that field. So welcome to the show, Tim. Jacob, thanks so much for having me. It's our pleasure. Well, Tim, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you come from, all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm Tim. I grew up in New Jersey, but I'm now currently in Florida and I'm a commercial financing entrepreneur. So we're building StackSource and I say building, we are doing hundreds of millions of dollars of loans, but we feel like it's still the beginning. We're trying to bring a little bit more transparency, a little less pain and more power to the financing process for multifamily and commercial real estate investors. I can feel that pain right now as I'm going through an acquisition and a refinance and looking at some new debt. So yeah, it seems like that industry hasn't changed much, you know, just in the few short years I've been doing this, but from what I hear from other people in decades even. So tell us a little bit about what you see changing in the future in this world. Yeah. Well, I think commercial real estate in some ways is a few years behind residential real estate. So if you're buying a home or if you're buying a single family rental as an investor, you can go to Better Mortgage or you can go to Rocket Mortgage and they run Super Bowl commercials. Rocket Mortgage IPO last year is worth $50 billion because they are the number one residential real estate lender. And they've brought the process online and they've done instant quotes and there are still problems with the process. And there you may still have hiccups depending on your financing scenario, but that process has largely been brought online and quotes are automated and transparent. And that largely has not happened in commercial real estate when buying apartment complexes or retail or office buildings. And truly, it can't be done for every type of commercial loan if you're building a new building and there's no NOI yet and there's no tenants. But Jacob, did you know that 40% of commercial mortgages could have an automated quote and an online closing? And it's just a matter of the technology and the lenders not being on board yet. No, it's an interesting perspective. What do you think is you know kind of slowing that industry down or why is it slow to catch up to one residential and two the rest of the world? Yeah, well, one tenings that a lender considers. And so that formula is really simple. When you get to commercial real estate and multifamily and you know, you've got a building full of different tenants with different abilities to pay, you have a sponsor that may or may not have the experience to manage that asset, you've got the location and other competitive properties nearby that are going up. The underwriting is a little bit more complex because every property at that point is a business. But real estate data, analytics, and underwriting tools are advancing at such a rapid pace that these certain types of commercial and multifamily real estate properties can be underwritten more programmatically. And what we're going to see over the next five to 10 years, I believe, is that 
40 and maybe as high as 50% of commercial properties on the debt side will be able to be underwritten really fluidly and really streamline the process. That will not mean that it will replace real estate investors who are trying to say, how much money can I make on a property? But there's a real capped upside and there's an understood downside for lenders that are taking less of the capital of the building than 100%. And up to half of commercial mortgages are going to go through the streamline underwriting someday. So what is StackSource doing in this space exactly? Yeah. So we are commercial capital advisors and we're a technology platform. And the reason we're both is because we're not trying to be like a lending tree where you can get connected to a bunch of lenders and then we sell off your contact information and now you're hearing from all these different lenders and the process is even worse. (laughs) We give you one point of contact where you can work on a commercial financing transaction, gain access instantly to all of the matching lenders that we understand down to a deep level, their loan programs, their credit boxes, and what types of loans they're looking for. So you can get matched instantly on StackSource with the right lender. So you're not wasting calls to a dozen different lenders that may or may not be able to do your deal. You come to one contact, you work with a capital advisor at StackSource, you get transparency into loan programs that you match with. In some instances, we're starting to be able to drive automated quotes, but either way, you're getting transparency into the process and a more streamlined way to get the best loan possible for your building. And what are the differences in going this route, Tim, versus going to a traditional mortgage broker? The difference is that the traditional mortgage broker doesn't have our tech to automatically match lenders, get a package to them the same day, doesn't have instant loan quotes. And I'll throw this one out there too. There's a lack of transparency, not just with what lenders you're matched to and are under review. Some traditional commercial mortgage brokers are incentivized to feed their loan business to particular lenders. And that's because those lenders would share an extra fee or a yield spread premium with these brokers. And these brokers at that point are acting as a correspondent for certain lenders. And they have to do that because that's the only way they can keep their business streamlined. They can't keep track of 900 different lenders and who's in the market for what type of loan. They can only represent a finite fixed amount of lenders. And they typically represent the lenders that are padding their pockets to send them leads. For StackSource, we track the commercial loan appetites for 900 different lenders on our platform. We take no fees from lenders when the borrower is saying, hey, I want to get the best loan possible. We're strictly advocates on the borrower side. Mm-hmm. And where are your sources of debt typically coming from, Tim? Obviously, agency debt or perhaps not across you know, private lenders, local yeah. institutions, et cetera. Describe that, yes. if you will. Yes. Agency, yes. Uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and HUD. And where we've started with the automated quotes and really breaking down the underwriting process into an instant quote feature was, is with the Freddie Mac multifamily loan product, specifically with the small balance. We now have instant automated quotes on our platform. So if you're getting a loan between $1 and $6 million for the Freddie Mac SBL, you can get that instantly at StackSource. Then you can compare and play with prepayment penalties, and you can play with years interest only, and your interest rate will update automatically. Uh, beyond the agencies and those that will continue to automate, banks, credit unions, debt funds, life insurance companies, and for those that are not fans of heart, the commercial mortgage-backed securities market, where you can often get the best financing on paper, it is a more, I'll say, dramatic process of prepaying. It's far less flexible than the other loan programs. But we try to make a menu of financing options for every deal. And we say, listen, you can get the very cheapest debt here. And here's what it's going to mean as far as fees might be higher and prepayment may be less flexible. 
here's the most flexible loan you can get from a debt fund that has no prepayment penalties and they're going to be able to close in 30 days, but here's the trade-off and interest rate. And what we do is we set the table with the relevant financing menu for every deal. And for those people that may not understand the nuances or what CMBS is, including myself, kind of talk about what that is, commercial mortgage-backed securities, the nuances there when insourcing that type of debt. Yes. So if you're buying or refinancing, I'll say a stabilized deal, it could be multifamily, it could be other asset types as well, office, retail, industrial, as, as often goes with CMBS loans. Commercial mortgage-backed securities market means you get a loan and that loan is then sliced up into bonds and sold to people anywhere that can buy and sell those bonds. It's basically pooled with other loans and sold into bonds. Now, the commercial mortgage-backed securities market was never in the news as much as it was during the great financial crisis in 2008, because some of those bonds were sliced up and then like the ratings of those bonds and how likely they were to be paid back successfully. There was a bit of scandal and there was a bit of like government interference and tons of things happened that led to the collapse of the bond market. That market has been reformed. It came back. You can now get a CMBS loan. Minimum loan size is probably going to be around $3 million for this to make sense. And then the larger the loan gets, the more it makes sense because there's heavy fees. It's not easy to prepay, but it'll often give you the very lowest rate, non-recourse, and potentially full-term interest only. You're never paying back a principal until the last day that you have to pay off the loan. You can get a 10-year full-term interest only loan, and it's probably going to be the best interest rate that you can get on many asset types in many locations. But it's just about the least flexible, and borrowers are the least happy dealing with their lender and dealing with changes to their loan. And like, if you have a default, it's a nightmare. Like That's kind of the trade-off that you get with the CMBS loan. You've got to be really sure on your property that you're not going to default. And you've got to be really sure that you want to hold it for the full 10 years. Yeah, sure. Well, Tim, somebody in the industry like you are, I'm sure you get this question a lot like, hey, where is the future going with interest rates? Investors love asking that question, right? You've got your finger on the pulse on a day-to-day basis. Tell us about what you're seeing currently and maybe some uh, projections. Yeah. Interest rates have been near historical lows and have only changed slightly for like the last several years. Now, earlier this year in 2021, as we saw some economic rebound from like, at least from the first nine months of COVID, they started to inch up and treasury rates started to inch up. That is correlated with commercial mortgage rates. They're not the same, but they're correlated. We actually track commercial mortgage rates day to day on our website. And people come to our website to check out what are today's commercial mortgage rates based on what the Fed said yesterday or what you know what's happened with treasury yields. They've actually inched back down, Jacob, through 2021 as uncertainty has continued to rear its head with like, Delta COVID and with lockdowns and economic policy, there's a lot of unknowns, but the government and the Federal Reserve are both making concerted efforts to keep interest rates low. It's hard to argue that these are not artificially low and people are worried about inflation coming. So interest rates are expected to go up, but nobody knows how fast and nobody knows exactly when. So we're in a spot right now where if you're doing acquisition or refinance deals, people are getting great interest rates. Many people are getting interest rates in the threes or even closing loans with interest rates in the twos still today. And so interest rates are like really great spots where if you want to hold the loan for the next 10 years and you think inflation may run away in the next few years, lock into a fixed rate loan right now is kind of like the common wisdom. Nobody knows exactly when or how fast or where interest rates are going to go to, but it is expected by most economists to go up within the next couple of years. Tim, what are some common financing mistakes you see beginning real estate investors make in the commercial real estate world specifically? I will say that 
Relationships with lenders is something that's, it's a concept that's misunderstood. It's a great idea to have relationships with lenders that you're working with. It's a great idea to strike relationships with lenders that you meet. What it does not mean is I have a relationship with this lender and we like each other and we play golf. You know, I know the loan officer intimately. We're in the same fraternity. That is not a ticket to get a lower interest rate. And it's not a ticket even to get your loan approved. Getting the most effective loan on the market really does require driving competition between multiple lenders. Now, big time real estate funds that own hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars of real estate, they have teams dedicated to just lender relationships and working with lenders and shopping that. Those teams will shop their deal to 40, 50, 60 different lenders, get competitive bids, push the lenders to meet their dream term sheet. And the lenders bend over backwards to do it because you're a big time fund. If you are getting started in multifamily or commercial real estate, you can do the same thing with driving competition between lenders. And you really need to, to get the best interest rate. You need to, to get the highest leverage. You may need to, to get something else accomplished on your loan. And you should be working with somebody to look at what is the best possible financing in this scenario? What am I optimizing for? Am I trying to drive my highest IRR? my highest cash on cash return? What am I trying to get accomplished on this deal? Do I need flexibility because I might want to sell this property in a couple of years? You need to map out what you want out of a loan because there are many things that are possible. And there may be a completely different lender that has a better loan program for you. Keep your relationships close, but you also need to test the market. Yeah, you bring up a really interesting point there, Tim. And you know, understanding your goals is it to you know maximize your IRR, maximize your cash flow, et cetera. And if you're the person going out and shopping all these loans, you're never comparing apples to apples, right? It's always interest-only periods and prepayment periods and interest rates and amortization terms and all these different variables and metrics and then a bunch of stuff that probably on the back end you don't even know about. And it's hard to figure out, okay, what is the best option for me? So sometimes the mortgage broker can help you decipher through that, but then you've got you know this platform like StackSource. How does that help the investor make the better decision? Okay. So that conversation with the capital advisor is a key one. And that's something that happens right after requesting. If, even if you come online and like you use our website first and you click get a loan, you enter some information and I'll match with lenders. The very next thing that happens is a conversation with the capital advisor. So let's say you were investing three, $4 million in the stock market. Like many people that do that are going to have a first, a conversation with a financial advisor. Okay. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to maximize how much money you have two years from now? Are you trying to maximize how much money you have 30 years from now when you retire? Are you, how risk averse are you? Are you okay with the chance to triple your money, but you might lose it? Like same kind of conversation needs to happen about your financing strategy and saying, What kind of flexibility do you need? Are you willing to accept recourse? So like if you default on this loan and the bank wants their money back, can they come after you and your wallet even after they take property back? That would be called the recourse loan. And there are non-recourse loans where they cannot do that. They can take the property back and you might lose money on that transaction, you and your investors, but then there can't be a capital call where you and your investors get burned even further because you have to make some bank whole. There are so many different trade-offs and you need to know what you're optimizing for and that's going to guide. And then when you get multiple loan quotes back on our platform, which is the design in the platform, you get multiple loan quotes back from multiple lenders rather than going and doing like hours and hours of spreadsheet work to figure out like, what might this mean for me? We have an analysis and comparison tool on our platform where it instantly shows you, hey, this is the loan that gives you the highest cash flow. This is the loan that's going to give you the highest IRR. This one 
is going to keep your debt service coverage ratio higher, which is safer. So like all that analysis and comparison, we've built features where you can see that all right up front. I love it. Tim, one of the roles as a real estate investor is to leverage things, right? Obviously leverage debt, but not only just leveraging capital, but leveraging team members and their experience. And that's what you're doing when you're bringing on a team member from StackSource to help you with that capital advisory conversation and then going out and outsourcing that debt best fits you. Yeah. And honestly, again, depending on where you are in the journey and the makeup of your team already, you may have some or none of that skill. Nobody though is tracking like 900 different lenders, except for people that are working in it day to day. So you're probably on the spectrum of, do I have none of this skill? Do I have some of this skill? Do I have a lot of this skill? Maybe if you have a lot of that skill, all you want out of us is just, hey, are there like a couple of lenders that I'm missing that have like lower interest rates today for whatever reason than my existing network? But we help people every day that are anywhere on the spectrum from, hey, this is my first deal, talk me through it, to, hey, guy, I've got this, I've done 10 investments, like, you know, but is there some life insurance company that like, I don't know already and can you get me introduced to them? And either one of those is valid. What I think the mistake would be is working alone on something where you're completely missing the boat and that's where mistakes are. Are there any myths that you'd like to dispel about commercial real estate financing, Tim, that you maybe see in the industry today? Well, it's not all about the lowest interest rate. You know, Honestly, <laughs> like getting 5% more on leverage is often the bigger driver of investment returns versus like having the lowest interest rate. Yeah. So there are a lot. There's misunderstandings about a lot of things if you're beginning your journey. If you've been fixing and flipping houses and then you're getting into your first multifamily, you may have a whole host of wrong expectations about the financing process because it's pretty dissimilar. It's pretty different than getting a residential mortgage. And there may be some basic topics you're missing. But honestly, the biggest myth is I've got a great relationship with three banks. That's where the best loan is going to come from. And they all happen to be like within five miles of my property, right? Very local. (laughs) Awesome. If somebody's looking at buying their very first commercial deal, Tim, what are some pieces of advice you'd have for them in sourcing their very first debt for that deal? Okay. Many first-time investors will slightly overestimate what their budget is to buy. So, okay, I've got $100,000 in savings between me and my cousin who want to go in together on our first multifamily property. Mm -hmm. And then they set their budget at $500,000 because they heard it's an 80% debt and 20% equity and we've got 100. So we can buy a $500,000 asset. And that's often not true. You may be forgetting fees and there are fees associated with everything like closing and like, paying for like inspections and environmental checks and appraisals, paying the lender their origination fee. You cannot have $0 in the bank after closing. Like the bank's not going to be okay with that. It's like, wait, hang on. If something bad happens to the property in the first month and like, you know, some tenant leaves or like there's a fire, how am I getting my very first loan payment? You've got to have several months of reserve cash in your bank account right after closing. And you have to basically calculate ahead of time. So I see many first-time investors over-budgeting what they can afford on their own. Teaming up with some other people that have equity on your first deal is good for multiple reasons. One, because they can invest along with you and they may have more liquidity than you have yourself. Two, if they've done other deals, they can help you look out for mistakes because they've made those mistakes themselves or they've avoided those mistakes. So it's always good to have a partner on the first deal if you can. If you don't, just don't overestimate. Like You can't just say, the $100,000 I have that's my 20% down payment and I don't need anything else because you need to build a lot more margin into the deal than that. Yeah, sure. So 
say you've got a hypothetical, let's call it eight unit building you're looking at buying, Tim. What are some of the financing options you would think would be make the most sense for a property like that? Yeah. If we're talking about a loan amount that's less than a million dollars, at that point, even this quote unquote small balance loan programs from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are not going to apply. You're now in a space where it's banks, credit unions, and private lenders. Now, uh, private lenders could be like your local hard money guy that's charging 12%, two points on origination, but they're actually a whole class of like private lenders and debt funds that have not bank rates, but like high single digit uh, rates. They may be the best option for certain deals, especially for first-time investors, because they're more flexible. The underwriting process is going to go more smoothly. They will be more tolerant of you know, certain issues with the deal than a bank would. And a bank may take, tell you, it may take two months for a bank's credit committee to turn down a deal. When with a private lender, you're getting typically more certainty immediately that they're giving you a term sheet. It's already the principal of the company that's vetted it. But the best interest rates and like these 2.9% interest rates and 3.5% interest rates, that's coming from banks and credit unions. There are thousands of banks and credit unions. Some of them do real estate lending. Some of them do real estate lending well, and some don't. And just because you're getting a term sheet from a bank, I mean, how do you know whether they've screwed over other borrowers, whether they have retraded terms at the last minute, which unfortunately happens more in our industry than people would realize. I think once you're a few deals in, you realize that banks are trying to get you to sign in a term sheet. They're not necessarily always living up to that term sheet once they do due diligence on your deal. Navigating that and finding the right lender more quickly is going to save you some heartburn. Yeah, sure. Well, Tim, what's got you excited these days? What are you working on? What's the future look like for you? Oh, Jacob, more automated quotes in more places. We've got a browser extension now where you can take our automated quotes outside of our platform and slap them onto any commercial property listing. So you can go on LoopNet or Crexy or a broker website. You can look at a listing and you can press a stack source button in your browser if you've installed it and it loads commercial financing quotes on the listing. So that's something we're excited really about. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the StackSource browser extension. That's free, no sign-in required, no credit card required. And it's just something to hopefully be helpful to people. We are redesigning certain features of our platform. We're fielding like a thousand commercial mortgage quotes now. So I'm still excited about building StackSource because we're really early on. That's awesome. Well, Tim, hey, we could talk about this stuff all day long. I'm sure you could especially, but let's go ahead and start wrapping up. We end every one of our episodes with a fire round. Just a quick hitting uh, series of questions. You up for it? Up for it. All right. First question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what'd you do to overcome that? Yeah. um, You have personally invested, that is. No, I have. I invest as an LP because I do not have the time and all the (laughs) knowledge of great GPs. So knowledge is the biggest gap for me still, even though I know more than most people on commercial financing, studying properties and studying markets is not something I take the time to do because my business is nationwide. So I invest with great LPs. Being a GP, the gap would be knowledge of markets, which is something I do not specialize in. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Great advice there. Tim, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? I find when I don't exercise, my mental energy just wanes and wanes and wanes. And if I find like, you know, I'm 10 days, two weeks without exercising, I'm like a loser almost. Like I need to exercise, like lift some weights, get out and do some, like play a sport. If I don't exercise, next to worthless in business. Ah, I totally agree with you. I like it. Do you have an online resource, Tim, in your day-to-day life that you find valuable? Obviously Stack Source, but maybe something else. 
Yeah. Well, I subscribe to a lot of podcasts, Jacob, and yours is going to go on the list shortly. But I subscribe both to real estate podcasts. I also subscribe to like personal development and I subscribe to a lot of tech podcasts. So I'm trying to keep up with my podcasts and the stream of them. Unfortunately, I get nowhere near because I'm subscribed to too many. Oh, I totally feel you there. I'm a podcast junkie. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty guilty of subscribing to podcasts. I'm totally going to get on board with this one. And shoot, I don't even listen to my own. (laughs) It would take me about 40 hours a day to keep up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Tim, what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? Actually, a book I have up in my office. I'm hiring a lot of people right now. So the book Who, about hiring and how to hire like A-list talent. That's a really good book. It's just called Who. And it's for companies. I think if you're building out your real estate investment company further, even if you're not, and you're you're working with other contractors, it's like a good stimulating read. But I think for people that are building companies or building out their real estate investment team, maybe you're building a property management company. That's a really good book. Awesome. Tim, last question in a lightning round. If you're to go back and give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, what would you tell 20-year-old Tim? Oh man, 20-year-old, start early in building relationships with people that you want to steal knowledge from and like just invest on the side out of like your salary right away. Start investing as an LP and then like steal knowledge because they have to talk to you because you invested something. I love it. I love how you kind of tied that back into your biggest hurdle getting started, which was the knowledge piece. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tim, hey, it's been a lot of fun talking with you. As we're wrapping up here, is there any parting piece of advice or guidance that you'd like to leave with our audience members today? Learn something new every day. Listen to Jacob and have him teach you one thing new every day. But honestly, learn something. Don't stay stagnant. Yeah, I love it. Well, Tim, hey, if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, learn more about debt options through StackSource, where's the best place for them to do that? StackSource.com. I'm Tim at StackSource.com. If you'd like to reach out to me personally, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. You search Tim Malazzo, I'm there. But StackSource.com should get you to everything else. Fantastic. Tim, we'll link all of those resources in the show notes. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Look forward to having you back on in the future because I know you've got really big things planned at StackSource. So excited to uh, touch base in the future and see how things are going. Awesome. Thanks, Jacob. Tim Malazzo, thanks so much for coming on the show. Right, that wraps up this week's episode with our guest, Tim Malazzo. Hey, I hope you got so much great content from that discussion. This week's episode is brought to you by Ayers Acquisitions, a real estate investing company. That is my real estate investing company, where we focus on multifamily cash flowing properties in emerging markets, primarily in Oklahoma and Texas. If you want to learn more about what we're doing there, you can go check it out at www.airsacquisitions.com, or you can find that from the podcast homepage at www.jacobairs.com. You're home for the podcast, the show notes, all of the resources we mentioned in today's show, as always. Hey, until next week, engineer the lifestyle you want. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.